Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. U.S. stocks are trading lower. We have got 13 minutes to go ahead of the close, and this update is brought to you by Red Hat, whose broad portfolio of open technologies helps you upgrade the IT you have and prepare for the future you want. Red Hat. Tame today, frame tomorrow. Learn more at redhat.com slash portfolio. U.S. stocks lower across the board with the S&P slumping six down three tenths of one percent right now to 2446. NASDAQ down 10, a drop there of two tenths of one percent. The Dow down 69, down three tenths of one percent. The 10 year up 12, 30 seconds yield 2.17 percent. Gold up 460, the ounce higher by four tenths of one percent. And crude oil, West Texas intermediate up one to $48.35 a barrel. I'm Charlie Pellett. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you so much, Charlie. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets. Time for the Bloomberg ETF report brought to you by BlackRock. Worried about market volatility? Minimum volatility strategies may be able to help. To learn more, please visit blackrock.com slash factors prepared by BlackRock Investments, LLC. Here with the Bloomberg ETF report, Bloomberg's Julie Hyman. I'm here with Eric Balchunas, Bloomberg Intelligence ETF analyst. And Eric, one popular area in ETFs this year has been low volatility funds. They hold individual stocks with lower vol relative to the market. Why have they been so appealing to investors? Well, for one reason, they're just very easy to understand and they're appealing, right? Because they give you the market, but with a little less edge. And that's just a very appealing thing to especially retirees. But here's why they're doing well this year. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're delivering the market performance of about 11%, so you're tying the S&P 500. But on days when the market goes down, they're going down a little less. Uh, for example, on August 10th, the market went down 1.4%. They only went down about 0.6%. So they're really delivering on both fronts. They don't always do that, but largely that's what they're supposed to do, and that's why investors like them, and it's largely because they have a little less tech. That's been the real volatile area this year. It has, indeed. Thanks so much, Eric. Appreciate it. I'm Julie Hyman with the Bloomberg ETF Report. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets with Carol Messer and Corey Johnson on Bloomberg Radio. Let's talk a little bit about the fixed income uh, market. The Zio Strategic Income Fund, it is beating most of its peers over the past five years, up a little more than 3% on average over each of those past five years, according to our data. Uh, in 2017, though, the fund having a little bit of a tougher time being bested by uh, many of its peers. Venk Reddy is back with us. He's Chief Investment Officer at Zio Capital Advisors in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. They're based in San Francisco. Um, nice to have you back. Oh, thank you for having me. Talk to us a little about, remind us, uh, you've been on before, but mm-hmm. remind us about your strategy when you look at the uh, fixed income world. Sure. We are a, we invest in corporate debt. We invest in shorter duration corporate debt with mm-hmm. an objective of having a low volatility absolute return profile. What is the volatility premium on yours? So our, our standard deviation is around 1.3-ish or so. Um, which is, you know, I, I know you had mentioned us relative to our peers. It depends on who you define our peers. We don't market, we don't, um, manage the fund to be a traditional high yield fund. We manage the fund to be a low volatility fund. And that's, I'd say about a quarter of the volatility of your traditional high yield portfolio. So it's, you're providing investors with some security, that's comfort, correct. right? That's correct. Um, <clears throat> so in this environment, is it harder to find some opportunities or a little bit easier to find opportunities? Cause it feels like, I don't know what kind of environment this is right now, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I'll be honest we, with you. I'm having trouble 
finding uh, peer managers, that, anybody who will say that it's easy to find opportunities in this environment. Um, I'd say, you know, in our space, it's 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 probably a little tougher than normal, um, but not out of the ordinary, I guess. Uh, you know, what we we tend to traffic in the types of bonds that are reaching toward the end of their lives. Um, and so uh, that, you know, in this environment where capital markets, where there's a new issue market that's still – moderately healthy, not as healthy as it may have been, you know, six months ago. Right. Um, bonds that are near the end of their lives come for sale when investors are reallocating capital into new issues. And so, you know, we do see some opportunities, but it's getting tougher because, um, you know, yields are lower and volatility is lower. What are you anticipating for yields going forward and, and how does kind of global monetary policy kind of play into that? So for our portfolio in particular, we don't actually pay attention. Um, you don't care. A, a ton. We don't care. We, we, we pay attention. We know we have opinions, but our goal is to have a portfolio that doesn't care which direction the markets go. We're not trying to be on the right side of a directional move. We're trying mm-hmm. to build a portfolio that um, does what it's supposed to do consistently regardless of what happens. So, right. so no know, surprises <clears throat> for investors, hopefully. That's correct. And and uh, that's not to say I don't have uh, a thought on it, right? So, you know, where do we see yields? Yields are compressed. It's hard to imagine them getting compressed further, though, I, you know, I've been wrong about that before. So I, I'm ha- I, maybe maybe they'll continue to compress. Um, it's more a dr- – uh, um, I would say volatility is the thing that I worry worry about more. Mm-hmm. Um, what I found is um, investors get spooked most when the thing they don't expect to happen happens. And right now there seems to be a lot of complacence around um, volatility. Even the fundamentals of a uh, particular individual issue might say, well, don't worry about things. If the macro environment goes a certain way and everybody starts to follow, that's when you have trouble. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, if you if you do the right work, if you pick good companies, good things tend to happen. Um, but at the end of the day, you're looking for companies that are going to pay their debts. We have to remember when we when we, we can talk about fixed income and corporate debt and all these different asset classes. But the truth is bonds are nothing more than lending to right. a borrower. Right. Right. So if you approach them from the perspective of will the borrower pay me back and what are the risks from a mark to market standpoint of my bond between now and then, which is why we focus on shorter term. Right. Um because that's mitigated. What, what is your shorter term? So on a, duration. So at the moment our duration is under a year. On average it tends to be in the one to one and a half, one to two year area. Okay. Um and then the um, the actual credit spread exposure, because there's a difference between sensitivity interest rates and credit spreads, is also pretty short. We keep that around the two to three year range. So, so we keep those sensitivities low. So that's all part of your filtering process. That's, that's correct. Anything else that you add on to that? Um, yeah, you know, so what we, what we tend to look for, again, we're, we're fundamental folks, right? We're, um, disciples of deep value investing. And so for us, it's very much just looking for good companies. And what I find is a lot of the questions we get about, um, credit ratings or about sectors or, or the like are almost beside the point. What you're looking for is good companies and good companies tend to share business models. And mm-hmm. So we find patterns across the way uh, companies run their businesses, and that, that's that's what we tend to look for. Is you know from a from a business standpoint. All right. So then, mm, okay. So has that led you to certain um, sectors, if you will, within fixed income? It's led us away from certain sectors, uh, such um, as <clears throat> such as energy. Oh, okay. uh, so we tend to have very little exposure to we we, we don't have none because we don't throw babies out with the bathwater, but. Mm-hmm. 
if you think about what, especially in the high yield space, um, you know, what credit is built on for a lot of energy names is the value of some underlying asset that's a function of a commodity that we can't control or have any visibility or predictability into. Right. Um, that's a macro exposure. And so that tends to fall out of our process as a natural, as a natural thing. What about retail? So retail, we do actually find in our portfolio a decent amount. What's interesting about retail is if you think about retail, um, and you break down different business models within retail. I'm going to speak about apparel retail because it's the simplest thing to understand. You have sort of the concept of basics and the concept of fashion. Mm-hmm. And so where we find the most opportunities are in those basics businesses. Such as? Such as, for example, Haynes Brands is a name ah, that we've owned in yeah, the past. Yeah. Um, very, you know, Haynes Brands is an interesting company because they have um, – Great opportunities to pass through costs. It's relatively low margin, which is why they'll, you know, tend to get a high yield rating, but they have fair amount of pricing pressure. It's very consistent. It's high cash flow, um, relatively low leverage in general. People buy t-shirts, people buy underwear, basically. Exactly. <laughs> and, and they don't really, I mean, if you need a new t-shirt, if there's a hole in the elbow of your shirt, you kind of just got to go buy one. It's, it's also not a big price point that, or that's, high price that's point. That's correct. That's correct. So uh, it tends to be counter cyclical. Uh, another area that you find interesting, just got about 30 seconds here. Sure. So uh, another area, and I'll speak about business models because it appears in different um, industries is what we call the intermediary business model. You have somebody who sits in the middle of a highly fragmented customer base and a highly fragmented supplier base. Now, margins will vary, and that's what varies the different credit ratings that companies get. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, those are very high barrier to entry defensive businesses because it's really hard to come and replace, for example, a 100,000 SKU count right. um, intermediary. And, and so so we, we tend to like that type of Fascinating. Um, thanks again. No worries. Thank you for having me. Frank Reddy. He's uh, Chief Investment Officer at uh, Zio Capital Advisors in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. They are based in San Francisco. Coming up, we've got the market close for you in just a moment. We'll get the numbers right here on Bloomberg Radio.